was sitting in a chair like this, and I was speaking to both my boss and uh, and my spiritual father. His name is Mark Marshak, and I was crying uncontrollably, and I was shaking. I was doing the ugly cry, not Denzel Washington, cute with one tear and stuff. I was doing the ugly cry, and the reason I was is because everything was failing. The church was failing, my marriage was failing, my ability to father my kids was failing, everything was failing. I wonder if you've ever been there. And I was just crying. I mean, we were just trying to get the church um, off the ground. And so I got like $50,000 into debt. At the time, I was making about 23000 a year with overtime. And, um, and I was working over 100 hours a week. And I was counseling people to midnight. And then I would have homeless people live in our house. And so I would sleep with them on the floor. My wife would sleep with the kids because we ain't crazy. Uh, well, we're crazy, but not like that. My wife would sleep with the kids in the one room that we had, and I would sleep in the living room floor with the homeless people. And then we would wake up, and I would fake my way through a Bible study. I'm sure in that Bible study, I led many people to Islam. It was <laughs> terrible. It was terrible. It was awful. I was sitting there crying, doing the ugly cry spiritual father that I needed to quit. I couldn't go any farther. And as I was crying, he put his hand on my arm and he asked me a question that I had never forgotten. And the question was this, Edwin, who's doing this to you? Who's telling you you have to do all of this? See, what had happened is I had gotten into the habit of doing the call of God in my own strength, not waiting for his work, but doing that I thought needed to be done. And as a result, in the midst of ministry, I found my heart lost and empty. And the only thing that I had to replace it was worry and anxiety. I'm not the only one who's gone through moments like that where I'm just, where someone just needs to put their hand on your arm and go, who's doing, Papi, who's doing this to you? Mommy, who's doing this to you? Why are you getting so anxious? No, but you don't understand. It's the kids. The kids with Dickie won't go in the mystery. Can you control your kids? No, but you don't understand. They're going in the wrong direction. Listen, listen, listen. Why? If you can't control them, why are you going to spend the time worry? Worry is one of the most useless emotions in the world. You do know this, right? Because if you can't change it, there's no point in worrying about it. And by the way, if you can't change it, there's no point in worrying about it. 
just go ahead and change it. But I'm telling you, I am addicted to worry. I'm addicted to anxiety. It is the thing that I run to most. I sleep, eat, rest in anxiety. And I'm not the only one. And so Jesus would talk to all of us anxious folks. He would speak to those in this room who are so concerned with their sons and daughters that they forgot that son and daughter of the Most High God. He wants to speak to those who are so concerned about their spouse that they've forgotten that they're a spouse of the Most High God. He wants to speak to those of us who are so concerned with the fact that our bodies are weakening and giving way that he wants to remind us that he's going to give us a new body in the new heavens and in the new earth. He wants to speak to those of us who are addicted and running back for more that he's more satisfying than anything that could be found at the bottom of a beer can, at the end of a needle, at the end of a shopping spree. He's better. So Jesus is speaking to us today about our anxieties and our fears and our concerns. And I need you to know that we all need this. If you tune me out, you need this message. If you tune me out for this message, if you don't pay attention to what we're going to talk about today, listen to me. What you think your mind has forgotten, I want you to know your body keeps score. You, you know how much illness is attached to worry and anxiety? It's amazing. Not just mental illness like depression, but like physical illness. I literally remember um, this guy whose name I can't remember, but his face and his body type I can remember. And he used to, he used to pop those um, Peptos, the, the Pepto-Bismol for his stomach. He used to pop them like they were candy. Like go through like that, you know, the big um, plastic um, bottle? He would go through it like in a, a week and a half. Just a whole thing. It's like, wow. It was just this anxiety. People get ulcers because of anxiety and worry and concern. People relapse over stuff that never happened because of anxiety and concern and worry. Beloved, we need this. If we're going to be a healthy people, if we're going to be a people who's able to serve, we need this. We need a solution to our anxiety. So my prayer for both of us. My prayer is that Jesus would be the solution. Jesus would be the joy. And so here's the big idea that I want you to remember today. I got the idea or the concept from a pastor by the name of Raul Latoni like 20 years ago and I never forgot it. And the question I want us to ask ourselves and the big idea for today is this. Why worship when you can worry? 
I want you to answer, ask and answer that question when you feel your anxieties coming up. Why worship when you can worry? When you can spend your time in anxiety and fretfulness and making yourself sick, why worship when you can worry? There's a good answer to that. But I need you to ask it to yourself. We find there's a lot of places where people worry in the Bible. And even the good guys worry. And so we find two heroes. One's named Martha. The other's named Mary. Two women. One who's a hero who says one of the, there's two great statements about Jesus in the Bible. One comes from Peter, and the other one comes from Martha. She's a hero. I want to be like Martha one day. And then Mary, who teaches us all that if anything, our work should come from our worship. Listen to me. Listen to me. This is a big point for today as well. Don't put your work before your worship. In other words, don't put the things that are your responsibilities before your worship. Don't put your work before your worship. Put your worship before your work. Put your worship before your work. A great man in history, his name was uh, Martin Luther. Not Martin Luther King, who recently died in the 20th century, but Martin Luther, the guy that Martin Luther King is named after, who lived like 500 years ago. He was a great reformer, and he was like crazy busy. I think I'm busy. He's way busier than me. And he said that his day was so busy that he had to start his day with three hours of prayer. Amen. Usually... I'll say, my day is so busy, I can't pray. And he said, my day is going to be so busy. He starts with three hours of prayer. So let's read this incredible story. We have a habit. It's a tradition in our church to stand at the reading of God's word. The reason that we do it is not because it makes us more spiritual or makes us more um, anything. The reason that we do it we want to remind our bodies. We want to remind our bodies that Jesus is. His word is. His presence is. His instruction is the most important thing. So, it's a short passage, so let's read it together. Can we do it together? All right. On the count of three. One, two, three. I was named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, 
and it will not be taken away from her. This is God's word. Please have a seat. Yeah. So Jesus is running through town. Luke is reminding us that Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. He's on the way. He's going to the place where he will be sacrificed for you and for me. Don't miss that. Jesus was on a journey. And if you think your year is tough, his journey was to be tortured, abused, beaten, and eventually killed. He was on his way to that, but he was thinking of you and me, as he's on his way to that, Luke reminds us that he makes a stopover at Martha and Mary's house. Now, Luke takes this particular portion um, of Jesus' life and he puts it outside of the chronological order. In other words, Jesus would have done this much later on um, in his ministry, but he puts it here, I think because of what he just said um, just before this. Jesus is talking about the Good Samaritan. Anybody remember that story, the Good Samaritan? He compares the Samaritan um, to uh, the Levite and the priest. Jesus says, there was, so there was, they ask him a question, who's my neighbor? Like Jesus says, hey, love your neighbor. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's my neighbor? And so Jesus goes, oh, all right, you want to play this game? Here we go. And so he tells him this story, this story about uh, uh, a guy who had been beaten and left for dead. And then the religious guy walked down the road and he saw it and he said, not me, I can't be bothered with this stuff. And so he walks over the guy. And then the most hated guy in that culture, the only person that I can think of, like the most hated person, is like probably like the pedophile or something like that. Like, you know, in this culture, it's the most hated person. Um, this guy, he walks by and he sees him. He picks him up, bandages his wounds, takes him to an inn, puts oil and helps, you know, gives him medicine and helps him to heal, gives the owner of the inn enough money for the guy to be able to stay there for a week. And then says, if he stays longer or he requires any more money, I'll come back. And then Jesus, you know, does the great question. He goes, so, who's the neighbor? And of course, at that point, anybody you come across, that's the neighbor, right? And so Jesus, now Luke is putting right after that, because what does it look like to follow Jesus? It looks like to serve, to help, to do all the things that are necessary that God would call us to do. But and then Jesus puts this story right after it, as if to balance it out. Because if you find yourself just doing, 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 you'll eventually find yourself anxious and empty. And believe me, I know what that's like. I know what it's like. I literally remember one day, I'm not kidding, this is true. I went to a door, and you know, I live in Brooklyn, born and raised, and so it had, like, every door in Brooklyn had, like, multiple locks. Anybody here have multiple? Who here has more than two locks on their door? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, you were, if it was the 90s, all of your hands would have gone up. Brooklyn has gotten all civilized. 
And so, you know, so this is one of those, and it was like, you know, so I unlocked the first one, I locked the second one, and it had the little chain. Anybody remember the old chain so you could see who it was? As if that chain would stop anybody, but, um, but the little chain, right? I literally remember unlocking the first one, unlocking the second one. I was so busy. I was so anxious. I was so, I had so many things to do, so many people to counsel, so many people to help, so many things to do. The, the food pantry, the, the New York uh, food pantry, um, they had cut off our food, so we had people, and I felt the weight of that, and, and we had to figure out how to help those people. And then we addicts who needed to go to detox, and I felt the weight of that, and there was no one else, and so they literally, I cut that alarm. They had an alarm, uh, not alarm, the bell went from the door outside to my office. I cut it. I literally did, because I couldn't take it anymore. And because I would like be in the middle of sermon prep and have to run out and go. And then somebody would tell me, oh, you know. And, and by the way, if you're homeless, the, the story about needing to go back to Chicago, you need money to go back to Chicago because you, you, you guys don't know about that story. I've heard that story 50,000 times. Yo, I just want to get back home. And, and depending on how much money they need, is it the distance? You know, how much money do you need to use, right? So if you need a little bit of money to use, like just 5 or $10, Boston will do, right? But if you need, like, a lot of money to use, you need to go, like, Chicago or Florida or Texas or something like that. Well, they, they would come in, and I would just try to patiently listen to their story, you know, just before I told them, you're lying, I want to help you, but please, come on, let me help you. Um, and so I was doing that. I unlocked the first door. I unlocked the second door. I opened the door, and the chain was there, and it stopped. It stopped the door. And I started to cry. Like, and I'm, again, ugly cry again, right? And I sat down and I, I literally was looking at myself. I was literally going like this, what is wrong with me? It's a chain on a door. But I realized after crying for over an hour, I realized that I couldn't do one more thing. I just couldn't do one more thing. That to ask me to take off that chain was the straw that broke the camel's back. And maybe you find yourself there. It's so easy to get there in ministry. If you're in ministry, it's so easy to get there. But maybe you're there just with your family. This message is for us. This message is for us. As Jesus is on his way, his disciples were, uh, they were on He came to a village. Martha, um, let me just see if I could put this a little lower. Maybe that'll help. Okay. Let's hope that helps. It's the microphone. This is harder than it looks, you know. Yeah. Okay. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where the woman named Martha opened her home to him. So Martha was a woman of means. She had finances and resources. And ladies, listen to me. The women of the church were a massive and important part of the church. I want you to know that even if the whole world says you're not important, in the church, you are very important. And for those of you who are here and say that um, the church just oppresses women and the church just, you know, keeps women down and, it, and, it, and, it, and it, um, it's biased against women, here's what I want you to think about. Everywhere that the church has had significant influence in the world, Women have prospered. Every, I'm not saying the places that are celebrating Jesus right now. 
For instance, Europe is not celebrating Jesus, but they can't be denied that at one point, Christianity really influenced Europe in a powerful way. But the places that have never been influenced by Christianity or haven't been in, uh, influenced by Christianity within the last thousand years, those are the scariest places for a woman. I could give you names, right? China, not the safest places to be a woman, especially if you, right? What about, what about like the 1040 window? Go to Syria. See how women are treated. Any place that Christianity has had deep influence, women have done better. Any place that they have not, women have fared worse. Women are important to Jesus. So much so that he allows women to fund his ministry. They were the big bucks people. Nice going ladies. And also to sit at his feet and learn. To be at the place of the rabbi, the teacher. Isn't that cool? There's hope for us all. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now that, by the way, is radical. Sitting at his feet was only a place for men. And so here's a woman sitting at his feet, listening to him, learning, drinking in what Jesus has to say. But Martha was distracted. Um, I love this. She goes, she's, um, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening or kept on listening. This word, she, was, she kept on listening to what Jesus said. This is important to say, kept on listening. Because while she kept on listening, uh, Martha was distracted. So here's what happened. Martha would um, sit at Jesus' feet to learn from him. And then someone would come up to her and go, oh, the, you know, whatever, the lamb is in the roast, you know, the, the lamb is in the oven, or, or the vegetables need to be chopped, or did you know that the so-and-so did this? And so she's like, oh, could you come? And you, you've done this before, right? Like some of y'all, some of y'all can't sit through a service without having that happen. We know, you know how that happens? We call it your phone, right? Like who liked your thing, or wh who's texting you because they want to know what you're going to do after service, or, you know, you just get distracted. It's easy to get distracted nowadays, right? I mean, it's, it's even that two minutes that we were just sitting together was just, it's tough not to be distracted. Yeah. So, so Mary's trying to listen and she's trying to serve because it's Jesus, right? And what would you do, right? If Jesus comes to your house, what do you do, right? You break out the totones, the arroz con gandules, you break out the, right? Right? What do you break out, right? The, the, I mean, you break out something, right? Like, it's a big deal, right? Like, you know, fried chicken, something, right? You don't. And so, so she, she breaks it out, and it's a big deal, and it's like a multi-course meal. And she's doing it, but she's noticing that when she leaves, Mary is at Jesus' feet, listening, learning, growing, taking Jesus in. Not just hearing what he said, but taking him in. And so she comes back and she's sitting right there and she leaves and she's right there. And after a while, does anybody get annoyed at stuff like that, right? This happens to me, everything. If you're not about what I'm about, I get frustrated with you. This could be as simple as me losing my keys and looking for them. And if I tell you that I'm looking for my keys, I hope you understand that's code word for you need to start looking for my keys too. You do know that, right? I found this out being married. 
my wife would tell me, I was like, what you doing? She goes, oh, I can't find my keys. I'd be like, wow, that's terrible. <laughs> Only to find out that's the worst thing you can do, right? Big fight. Don't do that, guys. Help. I like, now I go, where are they? Ben, those keys. I hate that. They always run away. I, I jump up now. But back then, I didn't know. So Martha found herself in a place just like that. She's jumping up and down, and she's not being helped, and she's all alone, and what's going on? And, and then she can't take it anymore. And she starts telling Jesus what to do. Have you ever done that? <laughs> you ever told Jesus what to do? Jesus, I know you're all sovereign and all that, but this is what you need to be about right now. It's <laughs> exactly what happens. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that she had made. Notice that she's doing something good, too. This is why this is such a good word for me. I don't even care if this is helping y'all. This is helping me. It's, I just need to hear this. Because it's so, it's so easy to get caught up doing good things, isn't it? Yes. Taking the kids to basketball practice. Making sure that the clothes are ready. Going to work. Do, you know, going to the gym, all good things, good things. Nobody would say they were anything but good things. Just getting consumed by them. She came to him, that is to Jesus, and this is where she tells Jesus what to do. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Now, here's an important point. When she says the word Lord, she uses the same word that just a few chapters earlier, not even a few chapters, just a little bit earlier, was used about God. That same word, Lord, kurios, that same word is used for God earlier on. She's calling Jesus Lord, using the same word. Because Lord, by, by the way, there is, this is the reason I say that. It's because some of us grew up in places where... Um, uh, Jesus is a God, but he's not the God. I'm telling you, Jesus is almighty God. He's God in a bod. He's come in the flesh. Jesus has. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. That's great, because she does two things. She, number one, tells Jesus stuff that he did not know, obviously, and then tells Jesus what to do with the new information she just gave them, right? I promise you, if you narrowed down my prayers for most of my life, they look like me telling Jesus what he did not know and then telling him what to do with the information that I just gave him. And so she goes on, and she does that, and then Jesus, you know, you know what Jesus doesn't do? He doesn't strike her down. He doesn't hurt her. He doesn't. You know what he does? He goes, Martha, Martha. You know, there's no place in the Bible where Jesus uses a double word where he's not crying. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've longed to save you. Like there's no place where Jesus uses a word twice where he's not crying. He looks at her because his heart is filled with love. And he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or only indeed one thing. 
Now here, we don't know what the things, like when he says few things, he could actually be talking about the courses of meal. Like, you know, he, he literally could, the same word that you would use for like, the things that you're doing is the same word for courses, like courses in a meal, like a seven-course meal. So Jesus could be saying literally to her, we don't know, nobody's really sure. He could be, it could be either way. But it's the same point either way. He's saying, listen, we don't need all that you're doing. We could just, listen, you don't need to get so extravagant about what you're trying to bring to me. Just one thing is needed. Like, you know, bring out the PB&Js and now let's experience each other in ways that we haven't before. And he goes, in fact, only one thing is really needed. And he says this, he goes, Mary's got it. Mary's got it and I'm not taking it from her. I want... You know Mary? Mary later on, Later on, Mary will make a fool of herself. She'll crack open some perfume. She'll pour it on his head and then pour it on his feet, wiping it with her hair. And then she gets rebuked by it by all the other Christians because she's so radically responding to Jesus. And Jesus says this, no, leave her alone because what she's doing is for my uh, it's funeral arrangements. It's for my burial. Jesus, when he told Peter and the gang that he was going to die, Peter said, may it never be so. Why? Mary had heard the same thing Peter had heard. But Mary stood long enough to really hear what Jesus was saying. She, actually, she was the only one who heard him. And got him ready for his burial. Beloved, your two minutes with Jesus just won't do. If we're going to grow, if we're going to love and be loved by Jesus, we're going to have to spend time with him. It's going to have to be time. We're going to have to drink from him and not drink from the things of this world, I try to think of, Shelly rebuked me and she said, yo, you got to start using props, man. We don't understand a thing you're saying. And so, I was like, all right, I'll get back to the props. Okay, so, so here's all I'm trying to say, okay? And then I'm going to give you what, I'm, I'm going to give you a way, I'm going to give you three questions to ask yourself at the end of every night so that you could spend, Jesus, is this fair? Because when, when they got, when those guys go get there, it means I got to stop, all right? So here we go. Um, so this is, this is water. I love that this water is called pure life. Isn't that the coolest thing? I'm not endorsing them. I just love, I just works for the sermon. And so, right, so this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like to drink from Jesus. You just, you, you, you spend time with Jesus and there's no rush. There's no rush, right? I mean, everybody understands that within the context of marriage, quickies are a part of life, right? But... But if quickies is all you got, then there's something, there's something that's missing, right? There's something that's missing. So I understand if you're, if you're throwing up prayers while you're running to work. I get that. Because we're, we're married to Christ. He's our spouse, right? We love him. He's the, lo what, do we, what do we sing? He's the what? Lover of our soul, right? We really mean that stuff. And so... So spending time with Jesus is like this. Mm. Taking it in. 
Betty taught me this because I was so. I, I, I'm, um, Betty said this, um, that she, when she wakes up, she drinks water. It's the first thing that she does. And, and I remember her telling me this. And I was like, I drink water when I wake up, and I don't feel anything like what you just said. And so, no, it's true. Because, and then I started to pay attention, and I was like, oh, wow, that's actually happening. She would take some water, and she'd tell, she told me this. I didn't ask. I hope it was okay I said that. Yeah, thank you. So she would take the water, and then she would pause, and she would feel the water go down into her body. She would feel the water actually go down. And I, I, I'm, like, I'm paying attention to it now, and I can feel it go down. That's what it feels like. I'm spending time with you. spending time with Jesus. Now, I'm not going to get too messy with this because I really like this shirt, but you get what I'm saying. So, this is our worry. And what we do is we come to Jesus and we never give him our worry. I mean, we never give him our worry so that he can take care of it. We give him our worry and we see him through that lens. In other words, the way we see Jesus is through the lens of this concern. Now we can't even see clear through it. Now all we see is our concern. And Jesus, you know, I'm so angry at Jesus because he's just not working fast enough. And if I had like a, if I had like a raincoat or something like that, what I would do is I would just down this and it would spill all over. But I don't love y'all like that. I really like this shirt. <laughs> you know I love you, right? I'm laying down my life for you. I'm just saying I'm not ruining the shirt for this sermon. All right. My point is, is that you just can't see him anymore. It's tainted with something. Your walk with Christ is tainted. Why? Because there's no time with Jesus. It's just, Jesus, you got this, you got this? It's, it's like this. It's, Jesus, mm. hurry, take care of this, take care of this, hurry. Take care of this. Take care of this. Hurry. Hurry. Do it. Do it. Get it done. Get her done. It's not like that. It's not like that. It's like this. Mm. So how do we do that? How do we take slow time with Jesus? How do we make the moment with Jesus until he makes the hairs on the back of our necks stand up till he makes our toes curl. How do we spend that kind of time with Jesus? Three questions. Here it is. Are you ready for the three questions? This is what I want you to ask at the end of your day. All right? Are you ready? They're easy to remember, but the smallest pencil is longer than the longest memory, so write this down. Where did you move with or feel close to Jesus today? Where did you move with or feel close to Jesus today? Why? Because that's going to remind you about all the places Jesus is working in your life. That even when you have, like me, a sick mother who's only getting sicker. Who's only getting, I hate when people ask me how my mother's doing, although I appreciate the affection and stuff, but I hate the answer that I have to give. It either is a lie or I have to go, no, she's just getting worse. I just have to make him feel bad. I just, oh. So 
even if you have a sick mother and you're concerned about that, questions like this will help you to go, oh wait, he's caring for her, he's feeding her, he's loving her, he's loving her through me, he's loving her through my daughters or my son or my, you know, that's whatever concern is. Where did you move with or feel close to Jesus? On Thursday, I was coming in and there was a guy outside. I'm telling you, miracles like this happen every day here like this. The guy's like, yo, I was just walking by. I saw the sign and said, Recover. what are you guys about? I got to tell him. Two hours later, that guy was in a detox. Two hours later. Not because of me, but because of this church. You see what I'm saying? And so, it's, but watch this. I'm telling you, if you're rushing, you can't. Oh, what's this church? Oh, this is, see, got to go. But when, oh, no, 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 Jesus is telling us, pause, pause. Because when you spend that, listen, when you spend that quality time with Jesus, when you spend that quiet time, that slow time, mm, you go, oh, that's a Jesus moment. Jesus is doing something here. What's the first question, y'all? What's the first question? Second question, where did you resist or feel far from Jesus today? This will remind you. This will remind you where, oh, I lied to so-and-so because I wanted to look bigger than I was. Or I, or I tried to seduce that girl with that conversation. Or I fantasized about using way too long. What, what, I don't know. What? What? You know. I don't know. Where did you stray? Where did you run from Jesus? I'm telling you, this is not quick. You want microwave? Go somewhere else. This ain't it. This is so Thirdly, where is Jesus leading you tomorrow? Ask for joy as you follow. Where is Jesus leading you tomorrow? Oh, oh, tomorrow I got that interview. Jesus, see, I ain't got to be anxious about the interview. I, Jesus is with me, and if he wants me to have this job because he knows that's the best for me, then I'll have the job. And if he knows that there's a better thing for me, or he's trying to, rather than pad my account, he's trying to work on my heart, then he'll do that too. I don't care. But the point is, is I want to be reminded where Jesus is flowing. Our time has run out. And I don't want you to be anxious about what you're doing for the rest of the day. So I want to pray for you. But before I do, there are some of you here who are struggling with anxiety. It's your... Maybe for some of you, it's your marital status. For others of you, it's your health. I don't know. But I do know this. That Jesus wants you to spend time with him. In his word. And in his presence. So you see what we did at the very beginning? The two minutes? I want you to take some time. Now it might take more than two minutes. It's going to take considerably more than two minutes. But if two minutes, if that's where you start, I don't mind if that's where you start. And you just keep growing from there. But I want you to spend time with Jesus. Not reflecting on, not meditating on your worries, reflecting, meditating on his word. So, if those of you, some of you are here today, and you go, man, I've been anxious. I've been feeling great anxiety. If that's you, for whatever reason, could be where your kids are at, could be where, you, I don't know. I want you to stand because I want to pray for you. And so, those of you who feel anxious, 
concerned, not sure where Jesus is leading. Notice I'm standing as well. Now, I want you to know something. That I've been, um, I had about a, about a month or two ago, right after one of these services, I had an anxiety attack. And I, I didn't know what was going on. I was just really overwhelmed. And um, so it was alarm. It was an alarm for me. And so I'm taking uh, a couple of weeks to spend a little slowed down time with Jesus. We have some fantastic pastors who are going to be preaching. But here's what I need you to do. A, I want you to come. Keep coming because this is a congregation. And it's not about who's speaking. Who cares who's speaking? Jesus is with us when we're with one another. That's number one. Number two. I want you to pray for me. I'll be praying for you, but pray for me. That we would spend slow time with Jesus. And thirdly, I want you to spend time with Jesus in an unhurried way. Phone off. Computer down. Television not on. In an unhurried way. So that he might be able to speak to you in ways that you never even dreamed. So now... Those of you who are anxious, I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for my friends. I thank you, Lord, that you are not far and that you're with us and that you're for us. Father, there are those here who are anxious about the, the stability of their marriage. Those here who are anxious about their, of whether or not they're going to stay sober or clean or not go back to those things that have drawn them. Lord, I pray. I pray that you would remind us that the one thing, that all these things that our lives are attached to, our kids, our health, our marriage, or, that we, there's the one thing, and that's being with you, knowing that you can comfort, you can strengthen, you can encourage. So Father, move deeply in their hearts. Remind them that they are loved and you are drawing them to yourself. For those who haven't received Christ, Lord, I pray that they would come to you, confess their sins, and receive you. And Lord, I pray that as they spend time, slow time with you, I pray that there would be a strong sense of joy and rest that comes into their hearts and lives. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.